Welcome to Ladies Talking Leafs. I'm Chris. And I'm Syl. And welcome to a bonus episode of the show. It's not because we want to talk about the Leafs uh, losing streak, which is up to four games now after the loss to the Sabres uh, last night. But, uh, but we got a great guest coming up on our third period segment. That's right. But before we get to that, we want to let you know some exciting news about our upcoming Leafs road trip to Stockholm, Sweden for the NHL Global Series. Folks, we have been granted <laughs> NHL media access for the Global Series. Oh it's so amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this means we'll have media access to the games, team practices, the NHL Global Fan Tour, and the interactive activities that come with the Global Series. So we'll be bringing all of this to you and we can't wait for it. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's. It's really amazing. This is our, our first opportunity to actually be up close and personal with the team and the players. Um, and to be sure that you don't miss out on any of our road trip reports from the NHL Global Series, make sure you follow us across all of our social media handles, uh, YouTube, X, Instagram, Facebook, and Threads. Our handle is at LTL1917. So do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> and because um, you won't want to miss anything. And a reminder that our, the NHL Global Series is on from November 15th to the 19th. So we again, be sure to follow us now and we'll keep you up to date on everything to do with the Leafs. And before we get into the show, we are excited to also announce a new par- partnership with Bet Online, so you can find all the latest NHL game day bets as well as props and futures. Currently, Bet Online has the Leafs at plus two seventy five, right behind Boston to win the Atlantic Division. And the last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling, and college basketball is ready to go as well. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NHL, NFL, college football, and UFC are all in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering, news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the pucks and hoops betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Please gamble responsibly, though. If you or someone you know needs support or advice, reach out to Connex Ontario or an organization near you. Place your limits and stay within it. And now it's time to get into our show. So our regular segments, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the highlight reel are going to be back in our next episode. So we're going to start off the show with a leaf talk about the games from this past week. And then for our third period segment, we are very excited to have two-time gold medalist for our Canadian women's hockey team and now broadcaster with TSN, Cheryl Pounder. Cheryl joined us to talk about the Leafs, the Sens, and the new PWHL that is starting in January 2024. So without any further ado, let's talk Leafs. Okay, so we're just going to do a quick review of uh, the games from this past week, starting off with the Halloween game, and it was a scary one for the Leafs versus <laughs> the Kings. Um it was a debacle, basically, as uh, the only way to describe this one for one loss. Um, really, it's it was just it was after a long road trip. It was the typical thing. They say that the, it's hard for the every team to 
to show up, I guess, um, for that next game at home. And um, yeah, I mean, those are the ones, it's a grinded out type of game and you need something from your bottom six. Um, it's good to have the whole team there, obviously, but it would be helpful if our bottom six would would <laughs> be a part of it and, 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 and get us some production and they just have, they just weren't there along with the rest of the team kind of felt bad for Joseph wall in that game. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I don't think those, those goals were really his fault. Like he's really hung out to dry for the most part. I was yeah. starting to wonder if the glare off of those LA helmets was just that much of a distraction <laughs> and yeah. they just couldn't see. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's sad when the only, we only could get back into it starting in the third period with a power play goal from Tavares um, and then that's really all we could muster. So, yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't, it wasn't a good night. Those helmets actually could went well for Halloween, I think too. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways. All right. And then, uh, onto the Bruins on the Thursday night game. And, uh, as I mentioned on the, on our last episode, um, Brad Marchand did not disappoint, of course, with his antics, even though he is the captain of the Bruins now uh, in a 3-2 overtime loss to the Bruins. And there was all that hullabaloo about the uh, no response from the team on 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 the hit, uh, the cheap shot, basically, or dirty hit that uh, Marchand did on Timothy Lilligren. Um, yeah, I mean, you shouldn't... They ended up having a team meeting about it, and I thought that was kind of ridiculous. I mean, like, why Why would, like, the next day, like, why would you, for a team, you shouldn't have to have a team meeting about something like that, right? I don't know. That's the way I look at it, but, um, like, it's, it's, but then this team is still, obviously, it's still trying to come together. Like, it's still trying to form that chemistry, that bond, um, and we're, we're only uh, 11 games in, I guess, now. Um, so, it's it's still a work in progress, but yeah, that it, it wasn't a good look. And um, the whole thing about Bertuzzi laughing, I don't think it was him laughing at his own teammate being injured. I think no, he- no, it was to me that was him laughing with a former teammate. It was like ah, that card Marchand, his antics, ha 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 ha. Yeah. That. That's what bothered me about it. I didn't think he was laughing at Lilligren. I think that he was more laughing at Marchand and it was yeah. more because they were teammates last year. And it goes back to the comments that he made uh, prior to the game because somebody, a reporter asked him, what did you learn about Brad Marchand? And he said that he's a good guy, basically. Right. And yeah. obviously he's a funny guy. And yeah, that is the way he was laughing. But you know what? You're on another team now. Your one, uh, your your current teammate just got carted off the ice. That's not the appropriate moment for that reaction. I don't think. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you know, yeah. like no, I the, mean, I, what's for the non reactions that they had? You know, <laughs> yes. right from JT being in front of the the net. You know, Lily going down and then he basically looks over and then he looks away. It's like, you know, so you have this non-reaction and then you have this reaction and it all mm-hmm. shows that they're not taking it seriously. And, and it comes from, from the top. 
Yeah. So yeah, and I speaking of just like you were saying, Tavares looking at it. I mean, Wes McCauley, the referee that mm. night, he was looking right at the play, yeah. and not a penalty. Like not even two. Like it was blatant. It was blatant that he he. Yeah. He, I mean, he can't. I, it was a can opener. Like and I it will was, say that you know, in the in the full speed moment. And the angle, I mean, we're not there. So maybe I'll give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there because there has been some debate from various sources whether or not this was uh, like a bad hit, uh, illegal hit, whatever. Um, But but yeah, like it's, I don't know. I mean, it's Brad Marchand dishing it out. Yeah, and it's him. Yeah, he gets... It's not like there's no history there either. No, yeah. So I mean, they they yeah. did get the point, so that was yeah good, and and they, and they came but, back in that game, and yeah. really, truly, and I know they've said this before, and I do believe that is the case. That's that's their DNA. That when the chips are down, and then they get upset, they they like to show it on the scoreboard. Um, but yeah. even in that game, it was too little, too late because we didn't win, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. All right. Well, and let's then, move uh, on. Yeah, to the Sabers game. Yeah. <laughs> Last night with uh, Austin Matthews getting another hat trick, but it wasn't enough uh, 6-4 loss to the Sabres. That was just so it was so back and forth. It was ridiculous the amount of times that Matthews would score and then the Sabres would tie it up or like or go ahead within the, the next couple of minutes. Like it was just and again, it, I just you just clearly saw the separation in the top heaviness of our team with all the scoring being done by our top core four players mm-hmm. and nothing from the bottom end. And, and the, uh, the other part of it is yeah, there's no, there's no separation in the defense because the defense is all oh, crap. It was awful. Yeah. So yeah. that's, it's not like we even have, you know, a couple of shining moments no. from the defensive <laughs> core to, to point to like, there no. was no defense in that game period and it was just everything was in disarray when when the 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 gameplay moved back into our d zone it was the main reason the main reason why it was horrible though is because the bottom pairing of the the two marley's players Mm. and Lagason and um and lejoie lejoie yeah yeah they the one i think it was lejoie that played like less than five minutes in the game the whole game Mm. And no, and I actually thought they played well, those two, for the (laughs) most part. They were never on the ice. And that's why the top four were so dead tired because they've been playing other other games. We were down to five D, right? Like with the with the previous games. So eventually why bring those guys up if you're not gonna use them? Yeah. You may as well just play with four. (laughs) Exactly. If they're only playing five minutes. No, I know. If you don't trust them, pair them with other people. Don't put them yeah. together. So yeah. yeah, that's definitely on Keith as far as the the makeup of you know who he's putting yeah. out there is is an yeah. issue as well. Yeah, because that that's basically why I think the the D was just horrible or and looked like they were in disarray all the time because mm-hmm. they were just playing too much. The top four and the other two guys, and then and then the bottom six of of our team is on the forward group. They're they don't 
I don't know, they don't have the, I don't know if they don't have the commitment to the defense yet, or they're just still learning about the system, but um, yeah. Well, they, they don't got it. And they don't got it right that's now. That's for sure. And yeah. uh, and they, it's also Keith putting them out at certain times. Like, you know, why are, why is, uh, why are some of these guys playing in like the final minutes or right yeah. after a goal? Why do you have that line out there? <laughs> yeah. You know, I why, know. why are they playing so much in some instances? You know, like they, yeah. the, the times where they put them out, like he, he must know that we're not Vegas yet where you can just yeah. roll four lines and, and know that you're going to get something out of all of them. Yeah. You know, no, Reeves I, has I been know. like a huge liability in those moments. So you have to know where to put your players, not just so that they, they, you know, aren't going to cause an issue, but also to put them in a position where they're going to be successful. And yeah. that's not it when you do that. Yeah. You know, how, well, how did that, how does that make them feel where they basically are caught and, and scored on all the time? Like, no, I know. It's then they get lack of confidence. Obviously, they yeah. it hits their confidence. And um, but I mean, they better turn around soon because they got mm-hmm. Tampa rolling into town on the Monday. They got like the two divisional games again now. Um, so they've lost two, uh, Boston, Buffalo. Now they got Tampa and Ottawa coming up on mm-hmm. Wednesday night, and then they got the Western teams. Vancouver's on a on a roll, and I knew that um, something was wrong on yesterday because I picked Elias Pettersson to score on my Tim's picks. And then I picked Bertuzzi and Nyes, hoping that every time I do it with Tim's picks, I'm just hoping that those picks will somehow work to give some magic to, to those players. And it was Pettersson that did the job for me. So that's something well, wrong there. Well, <laughs> it could be Monday night because I don't know if you saw the lines in practice, but they have Nyes up with, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Yeah. So we're going to see what the kid can do up there. And I'm, I'm hoping that that is, uh, that's going to click nicely. And, yeah, and I hope it's only not just for the first period. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. He's got to give these guys a little bit of time, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, anyway, so not, not that great, uh, for the last week no. or so, but, um, yeah, they still got a little bit of time, but, like you said, all of these, there's these other teams that are, are coming and, you know, some mm-hmm. teams like Montreal don't seem to be really letting up either. And no. we're going away to, you know, a foreign country to play a couple yeah. games. And then when we come back, it's, it's, um, Thanksgiving, American a- Thanksgiving. And that is yeah. really the, the quarter pole for the season. And if we're not, if we're out of a playoff spot, that's not going to be looking yeah. too good for us at that point. No, it won't be looking good for Sheldon Keefe either, I don't think. Uh, yeah, and, 100%. Uh, yeah. yeah. But maybe the trip will be a turnaround. I don't know. It'll, uh, yeah, hopefully. One thing, though, I will mention, at least we're not San Jose losing, <laughs> giving up I know. 10 goals, two games in a row. Yeah. At home. Oh, that I just couldn't believe it when I saw that last night. But I <laughs> talk about a team with no defense. Yeah. Oh. I, I feel sorry for Mackenzie Blackwood because it can't maybe, all be on him for sure. No. Maybe Logan Couture will want to come uh, come play for us. Yeah, I don't <laughs> Demand know. a trade. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, because, I think he's hurt right now, which is part of the problem. So, Oh, he's not playing. Okay. No. All right. 
I, I, maybe that's a problem then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So we've unpacked a lot of stuff from the past week of Leaf Games. And in our third period segment, our special guest, TSN broadcaster Cheryl Pounder, gives us her perspective on what she is seeing with the Leafs. So for our third period segment, we're honored to have two-time Olympic gold medalist Cheryl Pounder. Cheryl won gold for Canada with the Canadian women's hockey team in 2002 and 2006. And today, hockey fans can see her as color commentator on the CBC and for TSN for the Olympics and the IIHF Women's World Championships. And as an analyst covering games for the Ottawa Senators and Toronto Maple Leafs on TSN's NHL panel and on Trade Center broadcasts. Cheryl is also an in-demand motivational speaker, which I did not know previously, <laughs> and uh, the newly minted color commentator for EA Sports NHL 24. So that's quite the bio, Cheryl. So welcome <laughs> to the show. Thank you, ladies. It's awesome to be on here finally. I know we've been trying to to make this happen for a while. So thank you yeah. for continuing to to ask while my schedule has been a bit nuts with my daughters yeah. and, and the games that I'm working. So great to be here. Yeah, no, it's really an honor to have you. And thank you for taking the time, definitely. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so we're going to start off with a Leafs question for you because uh -oh, we are a Leafs uh -oh. show. <laughs> um, so they've played 10 games so far. Their record is 5-3-2. and two. And we just want to get your thoughts on the new players, uh, I guess, that Brad Trilliving brought into the brought in over the summer to add some with toughness or snot, I guess is yes. what he said. Um, and... So far, Sheldon Keefe hasn't found like a, a fit for either Bertuzzi or Domi. And we wanted to get your thoughts on what you think the problem might be like. And if it's just that they need more time to adjust or, or that or, or what it could be, basically. Well, I think anytime you come into uh, a new franchise, it's, it's figuring out the underbelly of how that franchise works, the systems, the players, how you fit within the lineup. And certainly, you know that Tyler Bertuzzi, you know that he's that power forward. You know sort of what he brings. But I think mm -hmm. as time goes on and you're not finding your footing and you know what you need to be doing in order to execute, but you're not finding that rhythm... You, you can start to force things. You can start to not play your game. And and I don't think that Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner are the easiest guys to play with either, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's right. part of the thing is is recognizing that it's gotta be a it's gotta be a fit that there's chemistry there. There's an understanding of you're you're also playing for them. And I think sometimes you can get caught up in playing for others and forgetting what you do your best as well. Yeah, that's true. And so yeah. forcing play, uh, overthinking your puck movement, uh, all of those kind of things. So I think that there's an element of that as well, kind of figuring okay. out the landscape of how those other individuals play, but balancing with it. Listen, there's something that got me here. It was how heavy I am below the goal line. It's my physicality. It's my separation from player from puck. Cause you know, that Austin Matthews will scoop in and take that puck. So right. I think there's that element as well. And for, for Domi as well, sometimes you can get caught hesitating. So I feel like, you know, his feet haven't looked like they've been moving as fast because of those hesitations. And then all yeah. of a sudden, that manifests differently because it starts to weigh on you, the expectation, the fan base, the coaching. Now, all of a sudden you feel like you, well, you have been demoted in some sense in terms of your yeah. role on the team. And so now confidence takes a bit of a hit and then you're finding where you're 
where you best fit. So certainly I think there needs to be um, some time here. And I think Sheldon Keith feels like he's given that time. But I don't think that experiment is certainly over with a player like Tyler Bertuzzi. I think that you've got you to certainly massage it. Uh, you know why you brought him in. So I do think you have to give it some time. But yeah, in terms of a grading system, it hasn't worked as of right now. And also with Reeves, right? I mean, you can't mm-hmm. play limited minutes and be scored on and spend a lot of time in the defensive zone. I mean, you need to to be able to, to weather that storm, buy mm-hmm. some time for those top guys to get back on the ice. And then again, if you want some snot, Ladies, you got to bring the <laughs> snot when the snot is called for. And I don't know yep. whether that's deployment of the players or the coaching staff, because, you know, you got to be put on the ice to be able to, to make that happen. So yeah. certainly there's, um, you know, there's a lot of question marks around these players. But why is it that we're always talking about the new players coming in, not fitting? Yeah. yeah. That, right. That's, so, that's again, true. yeah. It, it may be on them, certainly to a degree. It's it's, you know, they're big boys. Uh, They have contracts. It's a business. But on the other side of it, there's a lot of players that haven't also worked that would have been expected to work. So I think it's not just looking at those three, but also looking at the staff, how they've implemented them, the structure, uh, the players that they're aligning with. You know, there is a responsibility to figure it out and find a way. And and I'm going to say that that's a that's a collective issue. Yeah, Yeah. I I agree with you 100 percent. Like it's it's not necessarily uh just it's it's not a one way street where somebody new comes in and it's all on them to fit in the the other teammates the people already there have to help them fit in it's 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 there's got to be a relationship there it's it's yeah. shouldn't all be on the new guys that puts all the pressure on them um another question i have like with Bertuzzi in particular the last game he was pretty much last two games actually he was pretty much benched for yeah. significant parts of that and then you know move to the fourth line as well how long can something go like that go on you know you know as a former player um before it really derails you significantly well i think your maturity level in terms of how long you've been in the league and how you've learned to adjust and speak to your staff and i think you know they're they're grown men um but there's also, there's always a confidence factor. There's always, um, and you know, when you're feeling it, when you see someone that's playing with, I say the moxie, they've got the juice, they're jumping. You you can sense that they're on their game when a player's deflated and they start to second guess themselves. And if, certainly when you have a, a, a greater body of work, a greater um, strong body of work to reflect on, certainly it helps because you remind of your, you remind yourself of, you know, when you had those seasons, when you're scoring 20 plus 30, right. And, and, and what you were doing. And so, you know, you're that style of, you know, you're that player that can bring that, you know, that, you know, what you did in the playoffs last year. So, you know, that you can play a hard game when it matters. So you can reflect on those moments, which will help you through these moments, but it doesn't make it easy, right? Mm -hmm. Because the longer you stay there, the the more that you get pushed down and you start to, you know, you just, you ain't happy. (laughs) you're not happy you know we um, all said when you get that next opportunity you need to seize it yeah i think you've got to do something with it like but it's not as easy as just going out there and playing awesome all the time you know your opponent has something to do with it your line mates have something to do with it you know your your d have something to do with how you're getting the puck but i think it's really just playing your game and i think that's one of the biggest things that that players forget to do when they they're they're elevated they stop 
necessarily doing what got them there. And they start playing just for, hey, I got to get the puck to this guy or I've got to, right. you know, and so that will come naturally. But again, it, it's it's a synchronicity. It's figuring out where everyone's at and in the nuances of players game. And sometimes it's a larger window, but you may not have the opportunity for that long. So, yeah, yeah it, no question, ladies, it's it wears on you. I do think because he's a little bit older, he's he's had a greater body of work. He can find his game uh, again yeah. and some tough conversations, obviously, with his his coach and, and staff. But you've just got to make sure that that the player stays invested. And I think that's the, that's the big thing here, because, you know, keeping him in a fourth line role mm-hmm. is certainly not in the yeah. best interest of this team. Yeah, no. Not a not a five million dollars. <laughs> no, okay. well, that's, that's right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so but, since you also cover the Senators, uh, we wanted to get your thoughts on what happened this week uh, with GM Pierre Dorian being fired, all of the fallout from after the NHL announced that the Senators are going to lose their first round pick because of the botch trade with with Vegas with the uh, Evgeny uh, Dadanov. So um, what is your take on on what happened there? Well, I mean, you have to be transparent, right? And I mm-hmm. think that's one of the things that, whether it's Stas and Anlauer coming in, they've been pretty transparent, um, pretty passionate, I would say, uh, in, in their openness around this situation. Um, the investigations, of course, that were happening, you know, saying that we weren't, wasn't 100% transparent, but in terms of Pierre Dorian, I mean, you know, there has to be an accountability piece and an accountability factor. So there's mm-hmm. no question that um, something needed to give in terms of that. I do question the length of time that it took to be able to make this decision. Yeah, that's question just crazy. First, how like, It's a crazy amount of time. Like, yeah. you know, and Ann Lauer suggested that it, it's, you know, how did it take that long to come to this conclusion in the 73 page report and now have a first rounder gone, um, which I think was pretty heavy. Now, listen, I recognize that you're, you're setting the tone for this type of thing, but given the circumstances and given everything that's gone on within the NHL, it does seem pretty stiff. Um, And you've got a new owner coming in going like, what gives here, right? Mm -hmm. It's been this long. So I think that it's been real tough for the Ottawa fan base coming in, recognizing, listen, we've got this team, we've got this young team, we've we've um, shored up our core pieces, which seem really strong right now. And now, you know, we're being fractured by, you know, first round pick gone. We're being, you know, the injury situation. So I think there's there's all of those elements that have sort of just come in heavy and there's this cloud right now on otherwise what was a bright light mm-hmm. coming into the season. And that's the best way I can put it. So yeah. it's how is this big wind just going to come in and blow that cloud out so that these athletes can play? Um, but certainly I think it's been a real d- difficult situation. I think it was a, a real strict, tough, tough penalty. Um, but again, mm-hmm. I, um, in terms of Pierre Dorian, you know, I think the accountability piece here is, you know, the transparency around what happened um, mm-hmm. and they, they had to send a very clear message. And and certainly in, you know, him not being the GM anymore um, was a, a, a message to to the fan base, a message to everyone in Ottawa that this is going to be a very transparent, mm-hmm. authentic group. Mm-hmm. And do you think well, it's certainly DJ- refreshing to see the, the the passion and the way he spoke? And that's something. We haven't really seen, you know, I liked it. I really liked it. Uh, In this business, you know, 
you ask the same questions all the time and you, you get similar answers and you, you understand why the diplo- diplomacy and the politics and you understand. But then there's this freshness to this authenticity that he's mm-hmm. generally pissed off, you know, and mm-hmm. and he's not hiding it. Right. Because yes. he wants everyone to know that this is what happened. And this is and I and I like the passion. I, I like the fact that he's saying, I want to win with this group and you're li- giving me this hand with these reasons. And so I, I like that he stood his ground. I like that it wasn't status quo. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that um, it sent a clear message that, you know, I- I'm here. I'm here for you. I'm here for the group. But I don't want to just be pushed aside either. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's, that's a pretty big tone setter when, you know, you're coming in as the new owner and, yeah. um, you know, and really calling out the NHL. And I think we don't see that happen. We don't see yeah. that happen at all. So yeah. I think it was very refreshing and authentic. And, and, and I don't mind it. It's just like I don't mind, you know, Brady Kachuk and Jacob Chikrin going at it. Like demand excellence from one another. You know, yeah. and I think there's an element of that with the Leafs sometimes that you wish you'd see, like demand it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it comes true. from yeah. the internal temperature of the team. And so, you know, it's not always the staff. It's it comes from within as well. So yeah. demand it from one another. And um, so I, I thought it was real refreshing. Yeah. And, you know, you just found like you were like, yeah, <laughs> you know, so, which, which was which was which was which was great. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we're going to move on and we're going to talk about the new PWHL, the Professional Women's Hockey League that's going to be starting up in January, which is very exciting (laughs) for the women's game. And um, we just wanted to get your thoughts on, we know that the teams are still forming, I guess, but what uh, teams or players should fans watch out for as the season gets going in in January for the the new league? Oh, there's there's so many wonderful players out there that, uh, you know, I think that the fan base are going to just gravitate towards. You've got a great head coach in Carla McLeod out of Ottawa right now. And of course she's got Brianne Jenner there. So uh, a leader on the national team, which I think that everyone can kind of gravitate towards with a great technical goaltender and Emerence Mashmeyer. But Boston ladies, Boston's going to be heavy. Really? Right? I mean, oh, okay. Boston is going to be Alina Mueller. Uh, she's on the international stage with um, Switzerland. But this is a woman who can score. She can distribute the puck, and I think that if if you get eyes on her, you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna love her as well as Lauren Gable. Uh, you know, I've questioned why she hasn't gotten a better sniff with the national team, but she is she's got an unbelievable shot, arguably one of the best in the world, and that's pretty telling mm-hmm. when you have a certain someone named Marie yeah. Philippe Poulain playing in Montreal. So right. you know, she can go toe to toe with her shot. So you've got right. Montreal, you've got um, you know, New York, all of these teams that I think are just going to garner um, just such such an electric environment because it is the best of the best. And and when I often think about the different players in the league, it's not just you know your national team players that 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 are are playing here, right? There's mm-hmm, right. players um, that are just coming out of college. You have Daryl Watts playing in Toronto. Uh, she was a Patty Kazmaier Award winner who in NCAA. So the best in the NCAA, essentially, that award is. And um, she'll be playing out of Toronto with Emma Malte, who's, who's one of my favorites in terms of a 200-foot game. Best, one of the best sticks in the game. Uh, and she is just 
just so great at keeping her feet moving. So I, I mean, I could go on and on about the depth, <laughs> yeah. but really excited and hopefully, hopefully going to be able to broadcast some of those games. Keep your that fingers would be crossed. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Because I think one of the, the greatest things now is the visibility. And I get yeah. asked this a lot. Uh, did you think that there would ever be a professional women's hockey league? And, you know, when I was young, it, it wasn't possible because it, it didn't see it. And mm-hmm. now my daughters, their friends, young girls playing the game now are going to see it. So on a regular basis, and they're going to aspire, you know, for those mm-hmm. who want to, to be a part of it. And mm-hmm. that'll be a long-term goal, just like for young yeah. boys, it's the NHL. So I think it's pretty, pretty amazing. And I'm telling you yeah. when September 18th, the draft, I, I, you could have pinched me a thousand <laughs> times. And I wouldn't have felt it. I was just kind of in in a, in, in a bubble as I was watching <laughs> all of some of my former teammates and alumni there that just came to watch because awesome. they just wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So yeah. for me, it was pretty surreal. Um, I had to pinch myself that first pick in Taylor Heisey and just go, oh, yeah, it's happening. It's happening. Which is oh, pretty amazing. Something just listening to you, to you talk about it right now, like it's just the fact that we're going to have players from all over the world gravitating and playing together on one team, which we haven't really had the opportunity to see, you know, like we see, you know, best versus best, but national teams, but now we're going to, you know, you just mentioned a a Swiss player, you know, like playing on, on a team with, you know, like players from North America. It's just, I don't know. It's really actually it's exciting, exciting. It's, as you are the perfect yeah. person to have on to talk about I'm, this because I can feel your excitement yeah. and I am now so excited to see it myself. Yeah. It's and and what is it, what's amazing about it is, is there's a lot, there's an undercurrent of unbelievable talent in mm-hmm. North America and in, in Europe that aren't necessarily making their national teams, but that undercurrent is so good and could make their national teams, right? Mm-hmm. Like if there's a number of players that don't make team Canada that I sit there and go, wow, like, I'm surprised, you know, I, yeah. you know, you're on my depth chart, you're higher than someone else, but you know, I'm not mm-hmm. the staff. I don't create it, which is fine. Everyone has a different eye and it's, it's a puzzle piece. As we know, chemistry, we talk about Bertuzzi, whether, it was, yeah. you know, we talk about, you know, who fits in, who makes that better and who likes to play with who, and all of these things that factor in. So these, these women, these young women, a lot of them younger because they're coming out of college, they, yeah. they have that opportunity now. Mm-hmm. And so in the prime of their career, their career is not ending. It is continuing. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we've seen these women in their prime at their very, very best, even though that's, that's something to say when you've got Poulens out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting. We hope to get, uh, we're going to get out to one of the Toronto, Toronto games in, in January, hopefully the, the home opener. Yeah. Um, once the schedule comes out and, um, yeah. And to our listeners too, make sure you get out there and support the team mm-hmm. wherever you are. We have listeners in the States too. go out and see New York and yeah. Boston and, um, and, yeah, there's and some- watch people need yeah. to watch on TV. Yeah. On TV. Well, yeah. hopefully we'll get like Cheryl was saying, hopefully we'll get it on, uh, get the games there on, on yeah. TSN or on the networks mm-hmm. there. So, yeah. Yeah. So the last question we have for you. So we wanted to ask you about your own hockey career and your Olympic experience, uh, particularly in 2002, where both the men's and women's team won the gold in Salt Lake city. Uh, can you share any special memories that you have from that team? 
Oh, there's there's so many memories from that team right up from the most difficult year of my life athletically because we never beat the Americans once until the final. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) We learned, right? We learned and we grew as a team. And I remember getting to the Olympics and just being reminded how amazing it is. But then we were there to do a job. We were there to put in our personal best performance. And stepping on the ice for the gold medal game was certainly something. The nerves, the energy, half of my family there, my brother running down 10 rows of people screaming at the top of his lungs, that's my sister. Um, I didn't even know he loved me because, you know, I, he always put me in net playing road hockey. And, and winning and coming over to my family, I think that was one of the most amazing moments. Um, of course, grabbing my beer, making snow angels over the lucky loony. It was there. Yeah. And and the first thing I did when I when I got back to my dressing room was the dressing room. Of course, I didn't want to lose the moment. And I think that sometimes we 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 exit the moment so fast and I wanted to hold on to it. So went back on the ice, stayed in my equipment, and I called home because my one brother and sister couldn't couldn't attend. And they were having a party and I just called them to say, you know, we did it. And they were all bawling. I was bawling. <laughs> I come out and everyone was screaming and the national anthem started to play when we got congregated with our parents. And to be able to hug your family in that moment, you you know, knowing what they put into it as well, because it's not just your dream, right? When you're a family, it's, it's yeah. a family's dream because it's so much effort and work and all of that to go into it. <clears throat> but it's funny. One of the fun moments was we went to the men's game the next day and I was still wearing the clothes that I went to in my game. So it was one <laughs> hell of a party, ladies. Um, yeah. And I lost the group. I lost the group. I couldn't find them anywhere, um, you know, because we were all down in Salt Lake and, you know, we started together yeah. and then we got separated. And if you knew us, uh, the women's hockey team, we weren't afraid of, uh, you know, we weren't afraid of a buffet line. And it was funny because the only thing that was open and I'd lost everyone. I had my, my fiance was with me and the only thing that was open was a Denny's and we were starving. So I, I go there, like, we got to go eat. <laughs> so we walk in and there is the whole team had found their way back together. Oh, wow. The only restaurant that was still open uh, at whatever <laughs> time in the morning. Yeah. And uh, went to the men's game the next day. But I think so many lessons were learned in that year. Um, So many valuable lessons. And we talk about maturity in the game and playing for one another, not just yourself. And that's how it really winds up being just a magical experience. So for me, if you could have stopped time within my career, I think I would have stopped it for a moment right there um, just to stay in the moment and to appreciate not so not so much. I mean, obviously, the gold medal, but the process um, to getting it. And uh, so pretty, pretty unbelievable moment for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. That's yeah, incredible. Reading, when I was reading some of the um, articles, like, because it's been quite a while now, 2002, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I remember watching, like, the women's and, game and then, like, the next night, the men's game, and it's double gold. And I thought yeah. that. And like, what's fascinating about it is is that at the time, we never knew anyone even watched, right? So right. I remember getting on the plane to come home back to Calgary and because we got, flew back to Calgary and then I flew back to Toronto. I had to move out of Calgary because as, as a group, we centralized. So we live and train together full time in that year. And I remember the pilot saying with the women's team come off last. And we were like, what do you mean? Like we're, 
we're good. We're still partying. We got to get off this plane. <laughs> and um, he said, no, no, you, you need to get off last. And we got off last and it was like, it was like pandemonium at the airport. And we were like, what? People watched. Oh, crap. <laughs> and, and it's remarkable now that with PWHL and obviously me being yeah. fortunate to call a number of the Canada games and, and world championship games. When you read the bios of the women now, their dream was born watching that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you see the registration and the growth that increased after that, much like soccer in London. And it's yeah. pretty amazing that that visibility, you know, changed Renata Fast, you know, mm-hmm. it's, right. or yeah. it gave her that vision. And she yeah. came to our hockey school, my hockey school. So I am old. But, but again, <laughs> you know, it's just showing you that in that moment, although we never knew it, the impact that it would have right. um, from it being visible. So it's pretty pretty awesome that, you know, when I'm calling these, I get to go, yeah. And I read the bio. I'm like, Oh, I actually played back then. But, <laughs> you know, where yeah. dance were jeans for me and Mark Messier was my favorite. And, but now yeah. these women have, have, um, you know, other women that they can, they can see and say, mm-hmm. okay, this is attainable. Yeah. Which is great. Okay. So wow. that actually mo- moves us perfectly into the next segment that we like to do a special segment with our first time guests. It's a little bit of a like sort of rapid fire sequence of questions just to get to know a little bit more about Cheryl, the person and the hockey fan. So are you game for that? Okay. All right. So Chris, yeah. start us off. All right. So the first question we have is when did you first fall in love with hockey and what, what drew you to the sport? Oh, I fell in love with it when I was probably six or seven, I would say. I didn't play till I was eight because my brothers played and my grandfather was GM of the Montreal Junior Canadiens. So we were a hockey family and my Mm -hmm. brothers always put me in net playing road hockey. And I eventually (laughs) turned to my parents and said, I want to play. I want to play. I want to stop going to the rink to watch them. I want to play. And I was fortunate that my parents were open-minded enough at the time because I am my late forties that they said, yep, you know, why not? And that's how it, that's how it started. And I do think I was, I was tough because I had, (laughs) I had brothers that sort of knocked me down and and weren't afraid to to really give it to me out on the streets and, and on the backyard rink. So, but eventually (laughs) I, I beat them up. (laughs) And did did you play any other sports growing up? I played everything. Everything. Okay. Uh, I was uh, a softball player. Um, my grandmother um, was a huge softball player in the, in the 1930s and uh, actually had a contract for Wrigley Field in the wow. 1940s to play in that professional women's league that's yeah. now coined after a league of her own. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love ball. I was a shortstop. Uh, I had an opportunity to go to the United States to play. Um, but at that same time, I had made the national team in hockey. So, um, yeah. so I elected to stay with hockey, but I yeah. loved ball, loved yeah. ball, loved volleyball, played volleyball. If there was a school sport, I played it, right. They would come and say, oh, well, you know, we don't have enough. Well, Cheryl will play. Uh, <laughs> I was, I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm believer in it still. Uh, mm-hmm. Even the athletes I coach and I coach at the highest level of the women's game right now. I believe that there is um, a real spot for, I don't want to take sport away from these young women. A lot of them play lacrosse. I think it's an, it's it's the perfect complement to the game. I think that it helps vision, it helps understanding, it helps IQ, because I think in many many environments right now within the game, we're becoming very skilled, 
Mm-hmm. But the application of that skill is not always there because there isn't that understanding of the breadth of knowledge around, you know, seeing. So yeah. um, I'm a huge proponent, again, still of being multi-sport, especially up to a specific age. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense to me. And I, I, I wish more like more parents, uh, you know, took that on and 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 basically, you know, encourage their kids to, and, to play multiple different sports and, and I not also just focus. It's, it's passion, right? So I think, yeah. you know, there's some kids that want to play 24-7 all, all, all year long, yeah. and there's some that they need to break mm-hmm. and you, you to refresh, to heal, not use the same muscle groups, you know, mm-hmm. some of the injuries you're seeing. So for me, you know, I think it's really important when you're young to to be able to experience them if you if you're if you want to and, and you enjoy them. And it's mm-hmm. usually can be a different group of friends. Like it's it's just so important, I think, um, not to take it away. We see kids when they're nine and ten having a second sport taken away from them because they're being forced to choose. And I'm mm-hmm. saying, you know, I've got some that are playing dual right now and they haven't lost it. Yeah, maybe they're not as good in September and early October, but by November, right? doesn't matter. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, it's really important myself, but again, I think there are some that are just wired that they want to play all the time. And that's in that true. respect, that's okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So growing up, uh, who, what was your favorite team and who was your favorite player? Now, now we know you were born in Montreal, so we will forgive you if it was the Canadians. <laughs> well, it was not the Montreal Canadians. It was the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> Ah. Because I was a huge Marc Messier fan. Mm-hmm. And I just loved how like strong he was and his leadership and how he'd bowl down the ice and just, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's interesting. So my brothers, one of my brothers were 11, but I were 11. And um, mm-hmm. there it was two, do it was twofold. It was twofold. It was also for Marc Messier. So um, yeah, he was, he was my my favorite, so I jumped on the Euler bandwagon, not just because they were so incredibly talented, but mm-hmm. because he was my favorite player. Right. And, that's, a, uh, that's a good pick. I like that yeah, pick. That's for yeah. sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. And who would you say was your biggest mentor in hockey and in broadcasting? Oh, this is tough. I've got so many. <sighs> I don't think I can, I can give you one ladies. Yeah. And I know that's a cop out. Um, <laughs> there's more than understandable. You know, welcome yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. In my career, it's tough because I think it changes, right? When you're young, I think it was, it was my mom. My mom was my coach, which you find pretty incredible given my age. Um, and she never played, but she was a brilliant hockey mind. Right. So I think my mom presented that opportunity and my dad was all for it. So I think, you know, from that standpoint, I, I grew up in a family that allowed me to, and I I do say allowed because at that time, you know, not all families were on board with their young daughters playing the sport. And there wasn't, there wasn't the knowledge around it. There wasn't, Mm -hmm. right. It just, there, there wasn't the same understanding. And so um, having that open-mindedness, I think that there was, there was a lot there in terms of that. Of course, as I walked through my career, my husband's been instrumental. He he played the game. Uh, he's still a sounding board for me. We we walk through scenarios. I'll tell him about something that I saw on the broadcast, and he'll say, "I don't think I don't agree with you," and we'll, we'll hash it out. So he's he's been instrumental, and he all, he played as well. So knows the game, understands the commitment. Mm-hmm. Always understood the commitment and sacrifice to being 
the best that you can be mm-hmm. um, and understands it now in broadcasting, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, because mm-hmm. the preparation, the work that goes into it, the video that goes into it, um, it's, a, it's a lot. And yeah. the family structure changes when mom's out in the evening. And so having a partner that recognizes that has been uh, unbelievable. Uh, and then in, when you get to the broadcasting world, honestly, ladies, like I can honestly tell you that everyone from Cassie Campbell Pascal, who told me before one of my first broadcasts, what was said to her, believe you belong. And those words have hold, held true to me. Um, and it's the mm-hmm. advice that I now give to, to young women who reach out to me about broadcasting because you have to believe that what you believe in your value um, and, and believe that you do belong, have the courage to to recognize that you do belong there. Um, so, you know, the help that I've gotten from a former teammate uh, has been incredible. Uh, Rod Black, the first um, guy that sat beside me in the booth and let me just learn and and step on his toes and over talk <laughs> and be myself. <laughs> Uh, was incredible. And I walked through, you know, Ray Ferraro uh, mm-hmm. reached out to me two years ago saying, Cheryl, you need to be doing more of this. And me turning and going, oh my gosh, if Ray, if Ray thinks I can do it, well, maybe <laughs> I can do it. And and whether it was Craig Button, you know, doing my first Memorial Cup or first World Juniors, so having no idea who some of these young athletes were and saying, you call me any day, any time, any moment, uh, even if I'm about to go to air and I will give you the skinny on all of them. Uh, could be Dave Poulin sitting beside him on the desk and just him turning to me and, and, and giving me some input, teaching me the, the, the ropes of the first few times I was on the panel of, you know, this is how I do it, or this is how I prepare for a trade center, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. understanding how to prepare is yeah. a massive piece of being good at what you do. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. and then narrowing it down into what works for you. But when you don't have any idea, you know, you need great people around you to be able to help you, you know? So where was my bosses who gave me the opportunity or now Kenzie alone, you know, it's, I, we have a great team um, that we're surrounded by. And I know it's such a cop out, but I can't tell you how many times the truck has made us look good or the producer or the director. And again, it's just such a team effort. And so for me, understanding that landscape, now having these pieces and these mentors and these teammates around me, um, allows you to elevate. So I would say they're all colleagues that are mentors because I can call them right now and say, mm-hmm. I don't understand what the heck is going on with the defense <laughs> structure for the league, which yeah. by the way, I don't. So, <laughs> right? and, and, and we can walk through it and throw ideas by one another. Or do you, what system do you think they're playing right now? I'm like, well, it's a hybrid. What do you think? Well, I don't, I, I'm not sure because because it's changing so often. I don't know whether it's because they're just playing it incorrectly or that swarm is what they're looking for. So again, you know, and, and so it's not just one person because yeah. at different times, it's it's different people. Um, yeah. But certainly, you know, mm-hmm. there's been a few that have certainly pushed me in that direction. Um, yeah. and, and, and again, Ray reaching out to me two years ago, I don't know if I ever would have had the confidence to, to turn to my boss and say, okay, I'd like to yeah. do more of this. Let's have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. had he not pushed me. Yeah. Well, that's, well, those, some of those names are like, yeah. yeah, obviously they, they, they'll be definitely big mentors. And, uh, I mean, we watch them all the time on, on TSN and it's, uh, mm-hmm. and, and other, yeah. and and other it's, networks. It's, 
it's people putting you in a position to to succeed and wanting that to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think when we talk to young people in whether they're in sport or whether they're in, um, you know, want to go into broadcasting or any job, right. you know, you want to, when you have that feeling that you're surrounded by people that want to help um, in, in, in you gaining knowledge, learning how it works so that you can be successful and then putting you into those situations at the right time. Um, it means a lot and it gives you that courage and that strength in, prep, in your own preparation to, to try and execute to, to the best of your ability. That makes sense. And we all make yeah. mistakes on air, right? Yeah. We all make mistakes, trip over our words, or maybe we didn't get the pack. We, we really were looking for, you know, it's a dry game. You know, I just want to talk the D, you know? Um, and, but again, it's when you surround yourself and you have these people that you can kind of lean on when you're not sure to, to work it out and talk it out. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that wasn't rapid fire, was it? That was, that was pretty long. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. That's why I said it's like sort of pseudo rapid fire. It's just like more point, yeah, different fire. kind of questions. Talking to the wrong girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, another question for you. So you wear a lot of hats, obviously, like you do a lot of different things. So like, is there like one thing that uh, you may have touched on this already a little bit, but is there one thing that you'd like to do more of in the future? Um, or like, do you ever see yourself, you know, doing more within the coaching ranks, for example? Yeah, I've always said with the coaching element, I, I don't want to really like, and that this could change, but if I'm not coaching my children, then I probably would step away from it Mm because I don't want to miss what they're doing. Um, you know, in terms of coaching and, and elevating, whether it's into the national ranks or I know NHL ranks or whatever, that's that's not on my 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 docket right now. I, mm-hmm. I do actually love what I'm doing. I love uh, I love talking the game on the panel and having that conversation. I do love the booth. I think um, you know there could be opportunity in that realm to do a little more within the booth. But right now, honestly, just given the, 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 my children, their lives, um, you know, being a little more stationary is probably a good thing um, <laughs> because, you know, they're 13 and 15 and, and, and I don't want to miss it either. So yeah. there's that balance as yeah. well. So, so right now I would say to you, um, I'm going to hold off on the coaching ranks. I'm probably not going to coach at all next year. Um, partially because my kids need to fly on their own and I want to watch them and be a parent. <laughs> yeah. And secondly, also, because if you do and you, and you jump into it at a higher level, then, you know, you, it's, it's, you're in it, right. You're, yeah. you're fully in it. Um, yeah. And so, so yeah, I'm hoping to stay on the panel, continue to do what I'm doing, maybe yeah. get a couple reps in the booth. Uh, and I think I, you know, I'd like to get between the benches at least once That'd be cool. at some point. Oh, that would yeah. be cool. um, I would love to see that. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and, and that, that, that's sort of, something I'd like to try and experience down at mm-hmm. ice level. And I may get an opportunity at one of these upcoming rivalry series. So from, from the ice level, especially because I'm not very tall. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the last question we have, just bring it back to the Leafs. We're going to close it off and just get your opinion on the Leafs as currently composed. Do you think they're better or worse this season from, uh, from last season, I guess. Oh, well, right now, I, I don't see them being as strong. I think that from the de- the defensive holes are, are pretty apparent to me right now. And the back end needs needs some um, help. Yeah, <laughs> needs, needs an upgrade. Again, that's where my eye naturally goes um, yeah. in, in terms of 
that element. I think, you know, obviously their forward group speaks for itself in terms of their core four when they're playing, um, but their bottom six depth and sort of the secondary scoring that needs to be there. I think there needs to be a little more synergy with those new players um, to, to find their fit, as we talked about in the opening of this, uh, because they are going to be key elements to this. Uh, you know, they've got to find a way to, to make it work. Um, but again, I think you need, you know, you need do need an upgrade on, on the back end. No yeah. question about it. When you see some of these teams and how fast they are, um, you know, if you're watching the if you're watching the Devils or you're watching the Avalanche, like this, some the speed um, and the foot speed, uh, you know, from that back end needs to be needs mm-hmm. to be elevated for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I agree on that. That's for sure. Yeah. I think we both agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> Defense yeah. is always a concern with the Maple Leafs for some reason. Well, if you can outscore your opponents, it's one thing. But the problem is, like when when you got the Oilers that aren't outscoring, you recognize that mm-hmm. it's you got to take care of it. And it when the when t- games get tougher, as you know, in in playoff hockey, you know how you defend becomes critically important in how you protect the slot. And so, you know, below the goal line, being heavy down there, being physical, making people pay the price if they're going to get to the middle of the ice, and then just being decent with the puck, making a good first pass. And uh, to get the puck yeah. going to into the hands of Austin Matthews, right? You need the puck in their hands, which means you got to move it and you got to be able to get back to it first. Uh, and so that's that's going to be a, a key piece for me because um, it, it does lead to the offense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, we want to thank you, Cheryl, for coming on, spending time, sharing everything uh, all about the Leafs, the Senators, I think, and the new Professional Women's Hockey League. Get out there to our listeners to to support the new league coming up in January and uh, and some of your memories from that Team Canada team. It's uh, it was great having you on. Thank you so oh, much. Thank, yeah. thank you. you. Thanks. This for was me. beyond worth it, and we hope that yeah. we can, if if your schedule allows, we would love to have you on again at some point in the future. Yeah, no problem. I think it's great that uh, you guys are so passionate about it, and uh, happy to come back and, and chat chat some more hockey. All right. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Thanks, ladies. So thanks again to Cheryl for joining us. Um, It was a it was a great discussion with her. It's just you could. I mean, it was the whole thing was great. She gave us a lot of uh, input on 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 the Leafs and the Senators um, and how being a former player, how she sees the games and the and that and what, what's going on with, with each individual team. But um, the main part that was even more, you could just see the passion and the passion that she has for it is the professional women's hockey league and the, oh, uh, yeah. and yeah. And just the, the players that she mentioned, the um, Alina Mueller from the Swiss hockey, um, she's a Swiss hockey player and Emma Maltese, who's a Canadian hockey player is going to be playing with the Toronto team. Uh, Alina Mueller is going to be with the Boston team, but so it's great that she's highlighted some of that for our listeners uh, to look out for, for these teams and, and individual players and just to get her and her personal thoughts too, like on, um, mm-hmm. on her personal accomplishments. It was great. Yeah. It was, it was really hard not to fangirl while we were talking to her. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, she actually has a brilliant hockey mind. Uh, her analysis is, is spot on. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I'm so excited to watch the PWHL after speaking to her. I was excited before, but I'm even more excited now. And I just love the fact that we're going to have the best players from throughout the whole world 
on these teams, which is going to be great. So yeah. it's going to give people a chance to get to know some players that they, they maybe have not really seen that much. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's great. And we, we look forward to having hopefully Cheryl on, on again. She's mm-hmm. a, she's a busy lady though. <laughs> Big <laughs> time. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So after this homestand, uh, the Leafs have a few days off before heading to Sweden and the NHL global series. Uh, and like I said before, maybe this will be a good thing for the Leafs. Um, but Ladies Talking Leafs will be there reporting on on our team and the NHL events. Uh, again, don't forget to subscribe and hit that follow button wherever you listen to our show and on social media, YouTube, X, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, sorry, X, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and, and threads. Our handle is at LTL1917. Uh, and you won't miss any of our road trip reports from Sweden. And also a reminder to leave us a rating or review and let us know what you think of the show. It's easy on Apple and Spotify, and it's important for our show to get exposure as a source for Leafs content. And we thank you for taking the time. Another way to help us out is by visiting our Ko-fi page at Ko-fi.com. You can follow us there. And if you choose to, you can support us by buying us a coffee. Any donation goes towards helping us produce the show and making it even better for you. Find the link to our Ko-fi page on our show notes or in any of our social media profile pages. And we want to take this time to thank our healthcare workers and first responders for everything that they do. We thank you as always for listening and watching Ladies Talking Leafs presented by Bet Online. So till next time, go Leafs, go. Leafs, go. go.